2022, man. 2022. It was the best of years. It was the worst of years. It was the whatever of years. What a year. This week, the Times is going to go through some of the biggest stories of the past 12 months, focusing on politics and culture and, of course, disasters. The gift that keeps on giving. Happy holidays. I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, essential news from the LA Times. It's Monday, December 26, 2022. Today, we're starting our 2022 in review by talking doom and gloom in the world of disasters, but also some hope as we enter 2023. It's times like these that we turn to my colleagues of catastrophe, those prophets of peril, our three wise scribes of scary. Yup. It's time for our Masters of Disasters. Musica Maestro. Sitting as always in the earthquake chair is Ron Lynn. Ron, what do you want for Christmas more? An end to COVID or an end to earthquakes? <laughs> an end to COVID. Oh, that's very, very nice of you. <laughs> also joining us is our Cassandra of the Coast. As always, Rosanna Shaw. Rosanna, for once, I don't have a joke for you, but an honest question. If tuna's the chicken of the sea, what's the turkey of the sea? <laughs> Turkey fish. Turkey fish. Oh, God. Look it up. They are terrifying. Very poisonous. Oh, boy. Just like actual turkey, for that matter. It puts you to sleep and just probably <laughs> dry as hell, too. And finally, our energy master, Sammy Roth. Sammy, let's be real. Wasn't the biggest disaster of 2022 the Dodgers not even making it into the World Series? You know, I, I really shouldn't try to argue that one because I'm not going to be able to do it. You're absolutely right. And sadly... Sammy is a big Dodgers fan, so I feel for you, man. Hopefully, Santa's going to bring you Clayton Kershaw like Sandy Koufax for 2023. Damn, that's mean. We got Clayton. I just want to see Justin Turner back now. Then I'll be good to go. Come on, Santa. We could do it. Masters, welcome as always. There's always disasters happening across the globe. Floods, earthquakes, volcanoes. Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, really the worst disaster in Major League Baseball. And that's just for us non-masters. All of you masters must have what you think are some of the more prominent disasters, at least the ones that really weighed on you throughout 2022. So Ron, you first. What are some of the disasters that are really going to stick out in your mind for 2022? Yeah, it's going to be... Omicron, the pandemic. It's every few months, it seems we dare to hope the pandemic might be over. I remember last Thanksgiving and feeling very hopeful. And then Omicron appeared and it's continued to pummel us wave after wave. I mean, even though we knew that like the 1918 flu stuck around for several years, it's happening, you know, again. And I think part of the issue is the message has gotten muddled in terms of like our optimism. And so, you know, sure, the first Omicron wave last winter was less deadly, but it was still one of the most deadly of the pandemic. COVID-19 is still one of the nation's most leading killers. And in last winter, in the six month period of that first Omicron wave, LA County lost 5,000 people. And yeah, that's smaller than the comparable period the prior year of 17,000 people. But it's still a lot. Wow. Yeah, right now we're in a really triple flu, triple crown, if you will, of COVID-19, the flu, and then what is it, RSV or something? It's not a boy band, right? That's right. Having that extra burden on our hospitals, it's another challenge that we have to face this winter. 
get boosted, folks, wear masks, all that good stuff. Sammy, what disaster in the world of energy especially freaked you out in 2022? Well, I guess you'd have to classify mine as a near disaster because it was one of these times where we came very close to the edge on the electric grid in California and just barely managed not to go over. You remember when it was so, so hot, uh, beginning of September and end of August, there was a 10-day period where it was just so, you know, record-breaking temperatures and there was so much demand for electricity, people cranking up their air conditioners after sundown when all the solar power goes away. We had a period of 10 straight days. You remember those flex alerts where every day the state was begging us all, please, 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 you know, after 4 p.m. to 9 p.m., use less power, help us avoid rolling blackouts. We we just barely managed to do it, but not without that one day where it was especially bad. Remember everyone got the emergency text message that they'd never done before, those alerts to our phones? Yeah. We were right up against the precipice of rolling blackouts at that moment, and there was a sudden sharp drop in demand in electric use. So that kind of saved the day. People, I think, got kind of uh, inured to the flex alerts because there were so many of them, but that text message stopped disaster. Wasn't that the time when you were in the Imperial Valley and it was like 120 or just like ungodly amount of heat? That's right. I was down in the hottest part of the state in the southeastern corner reporting that week on climate change related things. So it, frankly, for the Imperial Valley, it wasn't all that much worse than usual. I mean, it was, you know, mid, you know, 115-ish down there a lot of those days. And and that's typical. I mean, it's it's other parts of the state that we're seeing temperatures like that that were really unprecedented. One statistic for you, California's record electric demand on the main power grid for the state before that heat wave was like 50,000 megawatts. We had peak demand of 52,000 megawatts during that heat wave. So wow. beat the old record by a whole 2,000 megawatts, which which is just like enormous. And, and this is what's happening as the planet heats up and we burn fossil fuels. California is the leader in so many things. We have to become the leader in having oven settings to cool, like Homer Simpson once said. Rosanna. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's actually the first time I've mentioned The Simpsons on Masters of Disasters, I think, because I love (laughs) The Simpsons. But Rosanna, what about you? What was one of the big disasters in your world? Biggest disaster of 2022 is definitely Twitter. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, boom. As, as there someone it is. who spends way too much time on Twitter, I agree with you. <laughs> but in all seriousness, there are so many disasters to choose from. So I was struggling with this, you know, hurricanes, the drought. And we were actually relatively lucky this year with wildfires in California. So my answer, I'm going to go with the underwater volcano that erupted in January near Tonga, which is in the South Pacific kind of near Fiji, the volcano started erupting in December of 2021 in like a series of baby disasters. And then on January 15th of this year, it exploded. The peak of the eruption blasted so loud, it set off a sonic boom that circled the globe twice. It was literally heard in Alaska, which is thousands and thousands of miles away. And that blast had rippling effects across the Pacific Basin. It was crazy for me to see. It unleashed a tsunami onto Tonga, Fiji, New Zealand, Japan, all the way to Peru. And the tsunami even hit California, although the damage was not as bad as we feared. Santa Cruz Harbor was one of the hardest hit areas because the tsunami came in on top of a high tide. The parking lot and streets were completely flooded. And I think the damage ended up being about $6 million that day. And that actually was considered relatively not bad for a tsunami. I totally forgot about that volcano eruption. And right now in Hawaii, you're seeing the big volcano over there slowly starting to erupt for the first time in a couple of years as well. Gosh, do we need more volcanoes erupting all over the world? Yeah, and this one was underwater, which was fascinating to me and just such a sobering reminder. 
And I would say like a lot of the science questions on this eruption near Tonga are still being studied. But I remember NASA saying that the eruption was hundreds of times more powerful than the bomb dropped on Hiroshima. And even though that eruption was underwater, it still blasted a huge amount of hot gas and air into the upper atmosphere, along with an unprecedented amount of steam, which actually likely caused a temporary spike in global warming. So it was not good, and it was definitely a sobering reminder for me of what rising water, even just a little bit of it, can do to overwhelm our shorelines. Gosh, the last thing we need is more volcanoes. And yet, there's so many dormant ones all over the world and underwater. Uh Uh-oh. After the break, despite these disasters, our masters still have optimism. Okay, Masters, despite your line of work, despite everything we talk about here, what I think makes all of y'all incredible is that you always have room for hope. That is just so incredible. But we need that four-letter word, all four-letter words, really, more than ever. So, Rosanna, what's something that's making you optimistic heading into 2023? So, I just covered a really cool story with our science reporter, Corinne Pertil, about a new satellite that NASA JPL just launched earlier this month. This new mission in space is going to totally transform the way we study and understand sea level rise and flooding across our planet, and ultimately the consequences of climate change on the ocean and all our water systems in the world. And so this satellite, nicknamed SWAT, is designed to measure all the water that covers the surface of the Earth, how it moves, how it interacts with the land, and just like way more details than we've ever had on how the ocean actually interacts with the shoreline. And this satellite is going to gather fresh data every 21 days. That's huge. Traditionally, scientists have had to go out every month, every season to manually check tide gauges, measure the beach, check the water level of each lake and river, and then piece together this planet-wide water picture one study at a time. And this was just a really cool reminder for me that in recent years, I have been noticing that NASA scientists have been turning their attention increasingly back onto our own planet, you know, with all their super advanced technology, especially in this context of trying to understand climate change better. And that's just super exciting. The potential for big data here is just really cool. But can SWAT, SWAT sea level rise? (laughs) To be determined. Hopefully get those space lasers. Come on, NASA. Sammy, what about you? What's making you optimistic about the energy world for 2023? Well, you know, going back to the electric grid, one of the hopeful things that we actually saw, California had added thousands of megawatts of batteries to the power grid since then. I think about three or 4,000 megawatts pretty much starting from scratch. And that also really made the difference between having blackouts and not having blackouts. Those were batteries that were storing solar power during the day and, and sort of saving it up for the evening. More and more of those are getting built all the time. There are supply chain problems. There's pricing issues right now. But that stuff is still happening and still hopefully putting us in a better position going forward Compared to the last time California was in that situation, two years before, August 2020, when you might recall we did have rolling blackouts for two evenings. Meanwhile, California continues to take a lot of steps to try to address the root cause here, which is climate change. Uh, Los Angeles finalized a regulation that's going to require all electric new homes to be built, so no 
Gustavo, I know you're a fan of gas stoves. You've written about this, but from a climate perspective, <laughs> if we start building, uh, you know, building housing and building commercial buildings without gas stoves, without gas heating, that's fewer emissions going into the atmosphere. So the city's taking action on that. The state's taking action on that. There's a lot of money in the budget this year in the state to help people replace their old gas appliances with electric ones. At the same time, you know, everything's a double-edged sword that creates more demand on the electric grid and will mean we need to build a lot more renewable energy and a lot more batteries to uh, help fuel all that stuff. So it, it's a tough one, but somehow we got to figure out how to do it. Well, look, if you could get electric stoves to have a cool setting so I could use that instead <laughs> of my air conditioning, I'm all for it. It's all about electricity. We'll get Homer Simpson on it. <laughs> Homer, get at it. Come on. Hey, he's nuclear power, so maybe he does have it. <laughs> yeah, Ron, we should talk nuclear oh power God. too. That's related to this. <laughs> well, that's going to be a whole other episode in 2023. But Ron, you're a dual master of earthquakes and pandemics, so you get to give us double hope. Go, Ron. Yeah, so <laughs> I actually have hope in the world of earthquakes. Um, what? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy, right? But it's actually about what we can do about it. So LA has this earthquake safety law that requires apartment buildings and other types of buildings to be retrofitted. And the good news is that 8,000 of 14,000 buildings have been retrofitted. And that's like a billion dollars worth of retrofits. And it's a super big deal. You might know these specific apartment buildings that I'm talking about as dingbats. Weirdest name for an architectural design in history, dingbats. Crazy, right? These are the ones with the carports on the ground floor and the upper floors are propped up by essentially skinny toothpicks. And so during the 1994 Northridge earthquake, it's like it's getting old, but, you know, an apartment collapsed and 16 people died. So getting more of these buildings retrofitted will save lives. Now, there's still a lot more work that needs to be done. A lot of smaller cities don't have this requirement. L.A. has a requirement to retrofit concrete buildings, but they have a longer deadline and so they aren't really done. And most cities don't have a requirement to evaluate or retrofit steel skyscrapers. And even just one of those collapsing would be a disaster. But there's a lot of hope that, you know, maybe as the pandemic does recede, that more attention can be paid on earthquakes. Ron, this was from the law that was passed in 2015. So 8,000 buildings have been retrofitted in the last seven years. Yeah. I'm trying to do the math here live, which is really embarrassing, but that sounds like, that feels like a lot in terms of the way we usually build and pass permits and just get things done. Yeah. Like that's, that is hopeful. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy because just, you know, before 2015, the word at city hall was that it was a, you know, political suicide to do something like this. And of course, some of the people who <laughs> said that it was political suicide have since been indicted for corruption. So <laughs> they Political disaster. Okay, so you gave us hope on earthquakes, but what about pandemics? I mean, I am hopeful about the pandemic. Things could go awry, but the good news is that pandemics do eventually end at some point. And the other thing is that I wish more people got the booster, but the fact that our booster this fall is a good match for the circulating strain that gives me hope that people do have the tools to help protect themselves and also wearing that mask. I know people don't like it, but it makes sense that, that masks work. It works, it works, it works, it works, it works. Speaking of masks, what would be for each of you your ideal disaster kit in your fields that Santa should be giving all of us uh, come Christmas? Yeah, so for earthquakes, I would hope that Santa is a, is an, a phone engineer. <laughs> what? <laughs> because one of the things that came up was that California has this earthquake early warning system. And if you have an Android phone, it's automatically installed. But if you have an iPhone, you have to download the MyShake app from UC Berkeley, which is great. 
but it would be a lot better if it was automatically installed as it is in Japan. Well, I'm not going to do it because I'm from UCLA and I don't like UC Berkeley. <laughs> so there. Rosanna, what do you want Santa to give out for a sea level rise kit? <laughs> My first thought was actually Louis Sahagan's response in our last episode of Masters of Disasters, an inflatable raft. Uh-oh. I'm going to give more thought to this. The first thought was, I really hope that everyone gets a chance somehow to go to the beach or to just reconnect with the coast, nature, wherever is nature near where you are. And I think that part of our responsibility to climate change and to just adapting to climate change starts with our relationship with nature. And I hope that you can gift yourself the ability to reconnect with nature at some point. Boom. Sammy, what is in your Santa energy kit? Well, first, I want to say the real biggest gift for me would be if everyone followed Ron's advice and kept wearing a mask uh, when appropriate. I would appreciate that as well. That would be helpful. In terms of energy stuff, I was just reading um, this article by our, our LA Times co-worker, Jeanette Morantos, who writes about saving water and plants and gardening. She had this fascinating thing about, uh, for the gift guide, about this toilet sink device where you put this sink, like attach it to the top of your toilet tank, and every time you flush, rather than going to the sink to wash your hands, the water that's going to refill the toilet tank to replace the water from your flush, first it flows through this toilet top sink and you wash your hands with it. And then that water filters down into the toilet tank. Jeanette says it's amazing once she got past the, you know, this is a little bit weird factor, but saves a ton of water. And it's energy related because one of the best ways to save energy and to ease the strain on the power grid and burn less fossil fuels, etc., is to use less water because it takes so much energy to move water around up hills, through pipes, into your homes. Water use accounts for, I want to say, something like 15 or 20% of energy use in wow. California. It's, you know, when you think about the aqueducts and the canals, that, that's a rough figure. But anyway, it's eighty three ninety nine. If anyone wants to uh, get me that for Hanukkah, <laughs> I'll, I'll take the toilet sink. Wow, yes. I wish everyone could see Ron's face right now as Sammy was describing. <laughs> He's incredulous. Toilet. The look of revulsion to like joy. <laughs> hey, you know what? The, the, the journey within that minute was incredible. Just watching your face. Hanukkah, Christmas, all the gifts of giving. This is a time. More, and we're going to give you more after the break. And now comes our traditional ending to Masters of Disasters, where we ask our masters, what's bringing them joy? Rosanna, let's start with you. What's bringing you joy in this final month of the year? So I feel like it is only appropriate for our last episode of the year to end with a joke. Oy vey, I love them. <laughs> Gustavo, how do you split the ocean in half? How do you split an ocean in half with a proton blaster? With a seesaw. Oh my God. <laughs> they're like the most obvious jokes, but they're funny and I'm just so clueless I never get them. Thank you for bringing me that joy, Rosanna. Ron, what's bringing you joy? The moon is bringing me joy. <laughs> the moon? Up in the Bay Area, there's only one uh, day a year that the beacon on top of Mount Diablo is lit and it's to commemorate Pearl Harbor. But this year, the moon came up right next to Mount Diablo like as the beacon was being lit. And so all these photographers in the Bay Area, you know, captured these great photographs of that and that gave me a lot of joy. What's your favorite moon lyric? 
Oh, I, I don't know anything about songs, but I, I do know that beacons moon bring me river. Long joy. Oh my god! How high the moon? I'm just making up moon songs. <laughs> Finally, Sammy, what's bringing you joy? Well, the uh, the third season of his Dark Materials just got underway on HBO, which is bringing to the screen for the very all time favorite books, The Ember Spyglass by Philip Pullman. So. Just watch the first episode. It's wonderful. And uh, if you're a fan of that book series, check it out because that'll bring you a lot of joy too. Ooh, HBO, always wonderful stuff. And of course, these are just some of our masters, but we have an entire roster of masters who gave us all sorts of joy during 2022. Here's Watermaster Ian James, Master in Training Haley Smith, and Master Maestro Louisa Hagen. I've felt really happy seeing all the rain we've been getting. We've just gone through California's driest three years And even though we're still in the drought, the creeks have been running, there's snow in the mountains, and I've been watching the hills turn green. And it's wonderful to see the changes. A lot of my joy this year came from really small moments with other people. I'll never forget this one woman, Harleen, who I met in a shelter during the McKinney fire. She was 81 years old and had just lost her entire house to the fire, but somehow in a scramble, she had managed to save a trunk full of costume jewelry. And even though she had lost all of her other belongings and her clothes, she took my hands laughing and said, well, I'll be naked, but at least I'll be laden with jewels. And that kind of spirit, even in the face of the worst situations, is just amazing. And it feels like a real privilege and often a real joy to be able to connect with people in that kind of way. I was born when much of Los Angeles County was still wild. My first memories were of a patch of wilderness surrounding my family's home in a farm workers camp east of Los Angeles. What brought me joy in 2022 was a visit to the area where my memories kicked in nearly seven decades ago. Surprisingly, it is still a place where barn owls roost in century-old sycamores and frogs sing in the spring. Joy to all of us. Ron Lynn's our earthquake and pandemic master. Rosanna Shaw is the coastal master. And Sammy Roth is our energy master. Thank you all, my masters. And uh, drink a lot of hot stuff, I think. Absolutely. Thanks. (laughs) Thank you. And that's it for this episode of The Times. Essential news from the LA Times. David Toledo was a jefe on this episode and Mario Diaz mixed and mastered it. Our show is produced by Denise Guerra, Kasha Persalian, David Toledo, and Ashley Brown. Our editorial assistant is Roberto Reyes. Our engineers are Mario Diaz, Mark Nieto, and Mike Heflin. Our editor is Kinsey Morland. Our executive producers are Hasmina Aguilera, Shani Hilta, and Hibel Urbani. And our theme music is by Andrew Ibn. I'm Gustavo Riano. We'll be back Wednesday with all the news in this matter. Gracias. <laughs>